And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 64 today. Um, Evolve a near death experience with Cindy Massey. Um, check us out at Maury, uh, Mike and Maurice Mind and check us out at Patreon backslash Mike and Maurice. Um, our guest today has just uh, released a book. Um, like I said, evolve, like I said, evolve a near death experience. Um, and uh, welcome, Cindy Massey. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, you reached out. Uh, I, th- I believe you saw our episode with uh, Dr. Penny Sartori uh, about near-death experiences, and you reached out to me and said you had your own experience and that you were working on a book. Uh, you just released your book. I read it. Very good. Um, I've read a few near-death experience books. Um, a couple of them were kind of like, uh, you know, but this one I, I felt like uh, there was some cool stuff in there and a unique perspective and everything, so... Why don't you talk a little bit about your background and uh, how you, you know, got into this whole being an author and, and if, if the experience that you went through, um, you know, how it transformed you and everything. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to tell you that uh, writing a book was not real high on my list, uh, like for many, many years. I had the experience. I remembered it. Uh, and I remembered the circumstances around that. But writing the book was not really something I wanted to do. But because I, I guess the, uh, the, um, the reason being that people uh, who were part of my family um, didn't receive it very well. You know, it was um, oh. weird. Yeah, yeah. Probably scary. What is she talking about? Did she make this up? All of those kinds of things. They even took me to a priest. Wow. <laughs> he, so got, he got is, more scared than my mother. <laughs> so was this, this was from an early. This was from, you this like was, that? This is from an early age yeah. that you were. Uh, yeah, I was that, three years old at the time. And so they just, 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 you know, regarded it as just. Some oh, nonsense yeah. Or like a dream or something like that. Yeah, she probably just had a dream. It's no big thing. Um and the entities that I saw, well, she probably saw them in a, in a, in a maybe a book. Or my grandmother uh, was very Catholic. She, she, my mother said, well, she probably saw them in in her in her grandmother's um, house. The problem was that I was born legally blind. Wow! I did I didn't see that well. Right. I really I didn't. And mm. so, but you'll be glad to know that when I had the near death experience, I saw perfectly. That's weird. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, so you were born blind, and then you had this experience. So what did they make of that then, as far as because... Well, they couldn't explain it. See, here, that was the problem. You know, they couldn't explain it. Um, they took me the, to the fully, you know, out of their realm of understanding. They just... Back then, it, it just wasn't talked about. Do Anything rem- like that. Do you remember being blind? Like when you're, I mean, I, obviously you remember this experience, but do you remember before that and not? Um, I, ha- I could see things but, uh, like, like uh, trees were like um, a, a stick, like a thick stick. And then it had a green blob on it. On oh, okay. the top part. So I could see color, 
but I yeah. couldn't make out anything unless I was right on top of it. Gotcha. Nose to nose, literally. Then I could see it really well. But I, I, I was something like, I think the doctor said I was 2,400 in both oh, eyes. Wow. And, and he said, you know, she should have had glasses, you know, the minute she was born, but she didn't. Because they didn't know that I was, um, I couldn't see well. They just thought I was kind of dull with it, you know? Because I tripped, I was clumsy, and, you know. Well, you couldn't you know, see I, where you were going. <laughs> I couldn't see where I was going. And they thought I was dull-witted because I couldn't memorize the board in the Catholic school. You know, I went to Catholic school. I couldn't me memorize the board fast enough when I walked by. <laughs> and they always put me to the back of the room because I was quiet. You know, I didn't say much. So they, I'll put her in the back of the room. She doesn't talk, right? So I couldn't see anything. So that was it. So when you had this experience, um, did it have, uh, when you were, you know, obviously you were young, um, what do you think was like, what, what, uh, set this whole thing up or was there? Okay. What, what happened was, um, that I remember being, uh, put, put in my crib. It was like a, a sunny day. And I'll tell you why I know that. Uh, in a minute. Um, it was a sunny day. It was in the afternoon, probably. And, and I was put down for a nap in my crib. And um, I remember my mother telling me to go to sleep. And um, I remember because I was asthmatic as a child, I had trouble breathing. So um, what happened was I was breathing. Okay, it was labored. It was uh, hard, but I was breathing. And all of a sudden, I breathed in. And then everything stopped. No breathing out. Just everything stopped. And then I looked, um, I looked out of, I, I guess I opened my eyes and I looked down on my body. There was a little body on the, on the crib, in the crib. And, I, and the first thing I thought of was, wow, that body is small. <laughs> right? And so yeah. I, uh, I looked down on it. And somehow it, it didn't feel like it was me, you know. Um, I, wasn't, I didn't have any attachment. I wasn't sad or anything. Um, it looked to me like a crumpled up paper bag on a, on, a, on a small bed is what it looked like. And I remember looking down on my body, okay. And, and it wasn't like physical. It was a spiral. It was a spiral of... of I didn't, I, I, I couldn't, I didn't know it was called energy back then, but that's what it was. It was kind of like sparkly, sparkly stuff in a swirl. That's the best way I can describe it. And I thought, wow, how does all of that fit in that little body? I would, that totally amazed me. So the, well, it was like a essence or like, I'm just, uh, when you say energy, was it like light energy or? Yes, it was like. A, a, like a, a sparkly light, you know, and, and it was in a swirl pattern, you know, a, a swirling pattern. And then, and it was tall. That's why I was amazed at how big it was and how much, how it could fit in such a small body. And then when I, um, and then I, I, I was sort of bored and I got, um, I said, well, well, since I'm out anyway, I might as well go look and see what's happening. That's when I went to the window and I looked out and it was sunny. What I couldn't understand was why the earth was black. 
Because every time that I, uh, as I remembered, and even as I was older, the dirt that I saw was brown. Right. You know, like you would see in a garden or something. But this dirt was black. And when I mentioned this to my mother, she looked at me and she said, that wasn't earth, that was tar on the roof of the next house. Oh, because okay. San Francisco, they put the houses really close together, you know. Sure. So if you're up high enough, you can see the tops of the houses. It was tar, tar roof. So why? You it was uh, was it still like nighttime though when you no were, no or? it was daytime because I could see it clearly. Gotcha. And it was it was kind of blue with some white clouds as I remember. The sun was out, and I was looking out the window. And then I kind of floated back over near my body and looked at it once more. And then there was this, this big hole that was in the wall. And, and I went over to it. It didn't have any sound in it. It just was revolving around like a, a dryer, you know, a dryer. Yeah. 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 And so it, it, um, I put my hand in because I was unfamiliar. I'd never seen one of these things before. I put my hand in and then tried my foot and then my head. And then so nothing happened. It was bad. That's when I went in it. That was start the starting of the process. And um, when I have spoken to people who have studied um, the near-death experience, that's what they call the tunnel. But I, I wouldn't have known that at three because I, I didn't know tunnels then. Yeah. I just knew it was a big black hole. And I went in it. That's what I knew. So you you were just speaking about entities. What were these? Were they relatives, or you don't know? No, 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 no. There were. And I didn't see any relatives. Nobody I knew was where I went. Sure. Um, these entities were. Um, let's see. Um, I was raised in a Catholic uh, uh, family. Uh, but my mother didn't go to church, and I didn't see my grandmother very much, okay? And I'm telling you this because there's a reason. However, I was to find out later that according to the Catholic Church, this would the, the man that I saw would be called Jesus, but that w wasn't what he was called. He was just called him, not wow. a name, okay? And the lady was his mother, and uh, she looked like the statues in the Catholic Church, but I didn't know her name either. I didn't know either of these people's names. And I'll tell you something. These people were tall. I'm not talking six feet tall. I'm talking probably eight to nine feet tall. Wow. These were tall people. But okay. they were people in your eyes. Yeah, they were. Well, you know, they had, they had physicality. Like, I'm looking at you. You have physicalness. Mm -hmm. um, the difference is that with him, uh, there was a light, a gold light that emanated from his entire body that had to be six feet from his body. So when he put out his hand to uh, greet me, the shafts of gold light extended from his fingers. Yeah, and I've, it was all around his head and his body. I've heard that before. Um, I've yeah, watched, that's I've, what I saw. Yeah, there's a lot of people that report not being able to see hands or feet, but that there's just this light that emanates from these yeah. ent entities, whether it's a family member or Jesus or whoever. Or whoever, right? And so 
<clears throat> he did have physicality because I sat on his knee and I could feel his knee, his leg, when I sat on it. Okay. But that the light was extremely blinding. Yeah, I mean, seriously, if you held up your hand to your face, you could not see your hand. It was that strong when okay. I, I saw him. So okay. just just to um just to uh play the other side here for a second. Sure. Uh, is it possible that um what you were feeling or experiencing was some sort of like early archetype, you know, type of subconscious thing like you said you were raised in the Catholic Church? Maybe right. seeing these, you were baptized. Yeah, maybe there was some weird thing. You know, maybe you were dreaming or had some. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but I'm just saying. Right, just how, no. Bring what, it up. What was the? Uh, how how were you able to distinguish from something like that? You know, like there's. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of episodes on DMT, dimethyltryptamine, and right. pe people that go under these experiences. You know, if whether it's ayahuasca or the. Right the actual experience uh recall talking with entities experiencing entities um and there's a debate whether these are external or manifestations of our you know the archetypes that are within us well i can't say that i would absolutely rule that out but i will tell you that i've had dreams number one that uh, the first thing i would tell you was that the dreams I've had after that were not anything like that. They were totally different. And many of them I don't even remember. This one I remembered. Um, it was, and, and um, keep in mind that um, before, uh, before I was three, no, at three or before, I, I, uh, with the exception of baptism, I probably was not uh, in the church. Or attended no, my mother didn't attend church, and and she and my grandmother didn't get along, so I didn't see my grandmother that often. Gotcha. Okay, so um, I was limited, um, and uh, so I would say that the part of the experience, we'll call it an experience, that the part of the experience that was so um, impactful to me was when I looked into his eyes. Because looking into his eyes was like looking into eternity. So was and, it like no, a, more of a feeling than a, than a you know, a visual it, experience? It, it, it was like, um, it was a feeling and it was a visual. Because see, there, which is very, oh, that's the other thing. There is very different than here. Here you and I are talking with Maurice and we're going through stuff and, and we're uh, primarily uh, communicating on a verbal level, right? Sure. Yeah. And so what happens here is that you can uh, be verbal and lie or not lie. Um, and the feeling may or may not go to the other person. Okay. There, it's like standing in your underwear. <laughs> there is no lying because everything you think and say and feel goes and transfers to the other person. Very different than here. Very different. I couldn't, I couldn't understand that for a long time. 
Um, and as a child, it was very confusing because there, it was very, it was very open and very direct. And it was um, a very, uh, all of the entities I met were very kind. But you knew exactly because you would know the feeling. Like it would be like saying to someone, I love you, okay? And the person goes, oh, okay. It's not like that. All of the feeling of love for that individual immediately transfers to them. That's how it works. So it's like yeah. uh, almost telepathic or something. It is telepathic. Yeah. Yeah, they don't speak words with their mouth. Their mouth doesn't move. I, that's pretty it common, too. And actually, I mean, there's speculation that might be our evolution, too. I know your book's called Evolve. Like, that mm -hmm. might be the, the evolution of humanity um, mm -hmm. is achieving this telepathy. Mm -hmm. And that way you don't have to, like you said, there's people that yeah. lie and scheme yeah. and you don't really know your intentions but if you're able to feel that or, or yeah. you know see through that that's a whole different ball game. it's a whole different ball game it would change everything right and that's and that's part of what uh, especially children who have a near-death experience that's something that they really have trouble with that, that they have trouble making sense of it because here is here and there is there yeah I wonder, and they're not necessarily the same are you familiar with other uh, yes, ch children's near-death experiences. Because it's it's something that I've you know looking into the subject and researching. I, a I bit. have. Well, I I met Dr. Morris about twenty years ago, and he specialized in children's near-death experiences. And I introduced him to a friend of mine who had a son who had a near-death experience, and his name is Chris. And uh, Chris, when I first met him, I I didn't know him. Okay, at all. I knew his mother, but I didn't know him. And and we met each other, and there was an instant res recognition. And his mother was even surprised. She said, he doesn't talk like that to other people. And and I said, really? She says, no. She said it was like instant rec recognition between the two of you. Wow. And um, so when Dr. Morris talked with me, he said, uh, I actually, he said, started my study because I was a skeptic. But it was the children who showed me that, yeah, that's just not, it's not what you think it is. It's, it's different there. It's then here. Um, and, and some people, and some of the children meet their families, you know, deceased relatives, that kind of thing. Um, I was young enough that um, most of the people were still on the planet. Right. Maybe if I was in my 40s, maybe oh, most of them would be gone or some would be gone. But right. I was only three. So uh, pretty much everybody was on the planet. And so, so back to your um, your experience really quick, though. So you said that you took a breath and then didn't remember breathing. Do you think that your near death experience had to do with you stopping breathing or what was the and, that and, that that was the jump start usually. There's a crisis. Near-death experiences, from what I have studied, you know, later on when I right. became interested, is usually occurs as a as a result of a crisis. Accident usually it's or a, something. Yeah, usually it's a water crisis. Usually, yeah, drowning. But it can be yeah, dr drownings are big ones. Yeah, um, and I was drowning in in the liquid of my body of of the mucus. I couldn't I couldn't breathe. So I was drowning. Okay. And and that was it. I was down for the count. 
because um, they had tried everything to try to um, uh, mitigate my breathing problems, but to no avail because I was in a, I was living in San Francisco, and that's a wet a wet place. Sure. Rains a lot. It's damp. So you not have like asthma or oh anything of, like yeah. respiratory. Yeah, not a good place. Okay. Arizona, <laughs> dry out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's what that's what kickstarted it. That's what started the whole thing rolling. And then, and then it just progressed on. Um, and it, you know, it's interesting about time. I, you know, I was three and I had no idea how much time. It could have been 10 minutes. It could have been 10 hours. It could have been 10 seconds. I don't know. Because I, there was no clock. And even if there was, I probably couldn't tell you the time. Right. So I, I have no idea about the time frame. Um, it just seemed like a really long experience to me because I saw many different things. I was told different things. And, um, and I didn't know at that time the impact it would have. It's not like you have an experience, say a dream. We'll just say a dream. You have a dream and then maybe you talk about it to some people, maybe you don't. And then your life goes on. No, that's not what happens. <laughs> that's not what happens. So, you know, your life is forever changed. Um, once you have these, even if you try to squash it down, you know, forget it, you know, and, and not deal with it, it'll come back. It's just that's what it is. It'll come back. And you, you still have to deal with it. Have you had any synchronicities um, oh, in, in your later years from yeah, what, what happened? My life. All throughout my life. Yeah. And what has it led you on like some sort of knowledge quest or like what is it showing th- you to do or I think that probably um I think probably it um a kind of reinforced that I was going to um do something for the planet. I had no idea again about the book. Right. Um I wound up uh, teaching abroad um, for several years, and um, a, a request was asked of me um, regarding uh, the book. And I said, no, I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm uh, teaching. I'm this. I'm that. And so um, it was put on hold for many, many, many years until finally um, it came to the point where, no, you really have to let the world know. Yeah, but there's my, my feeling was there was 9 million books out there on near-death experiences. What's one more or one less? That was my feeling. Right. No, nope. no, nope. you got to put it out. You got to do it because it's different than the, than the others. And, and, to, and I've read, you know, um, over the years, I read near-death experiences uh, primarily by adults. Okay, right. like uh, because life most after children, life or yeah, proof of heaven. Yeah, some of that that's stuff. right. They're mostly yeah. adult ones. See, children don't normally write books about near-death experiences. Sure, sure. You know, they have other things to do in their life. <laughs> They're writing a book, so there's far and few between. But I can remember talking with Chris um, many years ago, and um, I said, what, what did you think about, about in, uh, when you were in the river? 
because uh, what happened was his dad's car with the whole family went over the bridge and went into the river. So a water accident in the winter. Okay. Right. And he said, I, w I went through the noodle, the noodle. That was, there it was, you know, he yeah, called yeah. it a noodle. And when we talked about it, I said, but he said it was a different kind of a noodle. It wasn't like a noodle you eat. Oh, it was a different noodle. What kind of noodle? Well, you know, and he was trying to explain to me and the little animals he saw and all of that stuff. See, his was a little different than mine. And so, uh, and his mom knew about it. You know, she was well aware of it. And, and Dr. Morris um, interviewed him. And, and he said he pretty much went through the class, uh, a classic NDE, as I did. He just didn't see the entities that I saw that I, and that I would see later. That, talk about a synchronicity. When I saw these entities, I would see them later. I wasn't even in school. I was three. Right. But when I went to Catholic school, there they were. They were in statue form. I went, oh, wait, I've seen these people before. I remember these people. And so, um, see, for me, it was, it was different because my life was going to unfold differently. So that's, so that's probably the biggest synchronicity that I, that I saw over time. Are you, are you a religious person now? Or? I, I would say I'm spiritual. I wouldn't say that I was I'm religious, but I am spiritual. Okay. I don't speak... Um, if I had to say one religion I'm partial to, it's probably be probably be Buddhism. Uh, I'm I live in a Catholic country, you know, and, and I would uh, and I would go to mass, but I can't say that I'm I'm a practicing Catholic. I couldn't say that, although I was raised in Catholic school. Right, but. So uh, I was going to say, you did see Jesus, though, don't you? Wouldn't that yeah. tell you to kind of follow a Christian-based religion? Or It would be Christian. I would say that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think probably um, the, the, the priest's, um, what, what do you call it? His response to what I told him when I saw. I told him very little. When I saw, <laughs> what happened was the colors around his body changed. They, they reversed. And they changed and they got funny. That's all I, there was, and immediately when I see that, I've shut down. I just don't even, can't remember anything, don't know, don't even know my name, I don't know. Not sure, you know, that kind of thing. Because I, I, I just don't want to be involved in any of that. I know what I saw, Dad, I'm not going to, yeah, not going to do that, not going to go there. So um, the response at, the, at, at being at the three-year-old level was not that positive. Uh, I tried it once again with the Lutherans. They, 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 they weren't doing handstands across the floor either. <laughs> so I, I kind of gave that up for a while. I just said, ah, probably that's not a good idea. Well, I think that's the problem uh, with the Catholic Church is that um, for thousands of years, we've been told and pushed in the direction that you need these priests and the, to go to church every sunday and to follow all these rules to you need this yes. mediary you know like you even though okay so my thought is if there is a god there's a piece of god within all of us or we, right. we have some sort of divine spark or divine mm -hmm. attribute or whatever and if you know we want to we can 
tap into that or access that ourselves. We don't need somebody, you know, like I could see early on that it would have been maybe a good system if those priests were helping you try and tap into that. And it was more of like a, um, person to person type of a thing. But when you get people sitting down and just performing, you know, a mass or whatever, I just don't really, you know, how are you engaging people? I see people passing out. I see people, you know, little kids yelling and screaming, you know, it's just not really that engaging. Um, so I think that's the first problem with all that, but, uh, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I was raised Catholic and, uh, now I'm pretty much just spiritual. You know, I do believe that there's greater things that we just can't fathom. Um, but I also think about weird stuff too, having to do with science. So like, um, I think too, uh, I had a experience when I was younger, my uncle was babysitting me. I think I was like four or five. And I remember I was playing with a nickel and like an kid or an idiot does, I stuck the nickel in a socket and I got buzzed. But I just think about like, what if, what if, you know, I died then, and this is this alternate reality like we know about the multiverse is a possibility right. you know like there's alternate realities do you think that you know maybe when somebody passes away you're you're um you're just tapping into another version of that reality and i've thought about that and and i can't negate that either i know that that the reality that i experienced was not this reality we're in right now all the three of us, okay? Um, the colors are different. Um, the um, feeling is different. The communication certainly is different. Um, so the other thing I think about is that when we are born into this reality, onto the planet, onto the earth, all of that stuff, uh, from very beginning, we're, we're told everything is physical, you know. And, uh -huh. um, you, it, it's the five senses, it's your um, your eyes and your ears and, and your hearing and all that stuff. I'm not so sure about that. I'm really not. In light of what I've seen and what I've experienced, it's, it's not the same. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. And so... Um, but, but we are, are seduced. I think it's a very seductive place, personally. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, come on, we got Watch all these out. toys, and we got the electronics, <laughs> and we got the people, and we got, yeah, by the time you're all finished, what? Spiritual? Oh, please, let's, let's move on, right? Mm -hmm. we, we have to be practical here. We have to be physical. We have to, and, and I'm looking at this going, yeah, I'm not so sure. That's kind of where I'm at. But I, I learned that early on after the experience you know uh, aside from you know people maybe couldn't relate just this whole setup is really different than what i experienced and so i think there are alternate realities i think there are levels of consciousness that we are not aware of and some of us can see that and some of us can't for a long time after that near-death experience i saw colors around people more I could see the colors better than I could see the people. And like I knew. Aura. Yeah, I, I knew when they were lying. I knew it. Do you think that's, I know that's not the reason why they've given historically, but like maybe why saints or certain holy people have the halo, like maybe somebody was able to see this, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and they'll say, oh, it just represents, you know, purity or, you know, I forget what the exact 
uh, thing that they say it represents. But um, yeah, I mean, I've uh, certain when I was younger, certain psychedelic states, I've been able to see same thing, like, you know, certain lights and auras around people, even meditating, you know, seeing some weird stuff. Um, But when you look at uh, your experience, um, did you, did you feel like uh, that you wanted to stay like when you were outside your body? Cause I know, a common theme among people that have had near-death experiences, and maybe it's just something having to do with when you're older, but and they've lived a, a, a enough, but uh, they all get the sense that they want to stay in this other realm. You know, like they want to stay there, but they get told it's not their time, or they get sent back, or you know, Whatever. something along those yeah. lines. Well, I can tell you of the stories I've read, and I've read several since. Um, my own experience, I, I haven't encountered anybody who said, I have to get back to earth. It is so wonderful. I miss it so much. I just really have to get back. Right. Mostly what you hear is, what? I have to go back? No, I don't <laughs> want to go back. No, I don't want, I don't care if it's my time. They may fix it. I don't want to go back. Right? That kind of thing. Because it's, it's, it's better there. It's better. It's easier. It's more loving. Um, it's not complicated. The communication is great. I mean, you know, it's it's a easier and better to be there. And uh, if it's not your time, you you can't you can't go. You, you I mean, you can't stay there. You have to go back. For many people, and I, I have to agree with this wholeheartedly. This is not home. This is a place where you learn. This is kind of like a school. You know, you go to school and you learn different things. Well, that's what this is. This is kind of like school. I wouldn't, I, for me personally, I wouldn't classify it as home. Home is different. That's how I classify it. Yeah, I know uh, <laughs> a couple people that believe that this is like a, uh, that we're infant souls and this is like the learning version of, uh, Mm-hmm. that and there's even certain you know like we've uh, read this book it's called the urantia papers it's kind of like an esoteric related to christianity in certain ways um it's a well well written book i mean you you have to you have to know how to read to read this book because it's not like the the way the syntax is structured and everything it's it's not your average you know eighth grade ninth grade reading level couldn't read this book um and that being said it talks about kind of what you're talking about how there's all these different mansion worlds and once you live this one you go to the next one and you learn you know and there's these different levels and 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 that kind of stuff so um i believe that that's a possibility especially if there's a um a purpose or um let's say we have been created or we all are in this you know, eternal universe constantly evolving, then yeah, it would make sense that there's these different planes where you're learning different stuff, whether it's another dimension or just, you know, our visual capacity can't perceive all this other stuff going on, whatever it is. Um, What's your take on, uh, is there a so-called heaven? Is it just this another dimension? Like, what do you feel is going on with that? When, when we die, do you think it's just pure awareness and consciousness or, well, I don't think, I, I think we leave the body behind. 
that's my my feeling and and we go into you can call it consciousness um spirit uh and that's and we and we take the memories you know it's interesting um Many uh, individuals who have had a near-death experience, more adults than children. Children don't usually have this. I didn't have it either. Um, they do a life review. It's, right. it, I call it the big screen TV. Yeah. <laughs> and you're it. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're the star. Settle down for the show, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Showtime. And, <laughs> and my mother went through that, you know. Um, and she told me about it. And it's, it was interesting to hear it. I said, wow, you must have been in a hurry. Usually you don't do that until after you leave, but you did it before you left. And so I think that we review and we look at um, what we've uh, done in our life. And I, th I think we come in with a contract to do certain things, not every single detail, but generally, you know, what are you going to do this life? Well, I'm going to be a bum and I, and I think I can do that. <laughs> or I'm going to be a doctor and, and do X, Y, Z. I think we do come in with a contract. And whether it's a minute or 100 years, um, when we're done with the contract, then we are gone. We're done for that particular segment. Um, and some people follow their contract and some do not. You're given the choice, I think, to follow it or not. But, yeah, I think we come in with a contract, and I think that um, at some level, we know the contract. We, it may not be conscious, you know, right away. Yeah. But w w at some level, we know what we're going to be doing. Uh, some kind of idea of what we want to accomplish. It, it was interesting. I remember uh, growing up that, that my mother uh, said, well, you know, <clears throat> maybe you should study to be a secretary. Secretary? Huh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah it's secretary. Such a nice <laughs> tie on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and she, well, Aunt Rose is a secretary. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing secretary. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, it never, it, it never even things like that had no held no interest for me. Travel held interest, or other things, spiritual things, but. Secretary probably wasn't on high on the agenda. So I think that we kind of have an idea of what we, we want to do. I think, and I think some of us forget. We, we know before we come in, but when we get here, yeah, it all goes away. <laughs> so what right. are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. I, I'm not sure, right? So, yeah, I think that that happens to us, uh, to some of us. Um, and so we get involved and seduced by this dimension. <laughs> we forgot anyway, so we might as well enjoy ourselves, right? Whatever it is we have to do, you know, or would like to do. So that's my general feeling about things. Sure. Just generally. Now, I would say that, um, that we create. One of the things that, that I hope that comes out of that book is that we really have the potential to create ourselves because we have that spark. All of us have it. Right. Regardless of we're worth, regardless if we're worth a million dollars or $1, doesn't matter. We all have the spark. Yeah. I and think, uh, I think I, I definitely took that away from your book and that's actually a common theme, 
um, from talking to other people I know and some wiser people that I know that we can literally be anything we want to be. However, you know, some things make sense than others, you know, you know, if I say, um, you know, I'm going to go write a book. Well, you know, we do a podcast. I've done research. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but if I said, I'm going to go climb Everest tomorrow, well, that's a little bit of a tall order, you know? So (laughs) there are certain things in, 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 um, you know, limits to it. But I think that if you put yourself in position, you can achieve, you know, like it's an old saying, obviously, I think people see it as cheesy. Oh, you can do whatever you want or be whatever you want to be. But it's true. But you have to take the steps towards that goal. You know, it can't just be I'm going to jump here tomorrow. And that's going to be it. So you have to prepare. But the fact of the matter is, we we are told, I think, in many ways, oh, you know, that's not practical, that won't make money, that won't blah, 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 whatever it is. But in fact, and, and I think we let go of some of our dreams doing that. I think we do, you know. For sure. Um, which is not good because, you know, what? what is the point? If we're only going to be in the physical, you have no dreams or aspirations. You just kind of grind it out day to day. And there's much more than that, much, much more than that. So, yeah. That's what that's that's what I came away with after that, and it and it wasn't like overnight. I just want both of you to know it was not overnight. Right. Trust me, it wasn't. It, it took some time to really understand. Um, and I I have I want to share something with with you that I thought about when I was thinking about this um, podcast last week, and that is. Um, I, I had uh, been thinking about the concept, well, what if I decide I no, wa- no longer want to uh, come onto this earth plane, that this will be the last time that I do this. I'll go do something else on another, in another dimension, another time, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I won't come back here. Here's what I was told. Once you really understand how this dimension works, how the world works, you will not be coming back. And it's not just you, it's anybody. And they said, and keep in mind that if there are any loose ends, things that you maybe uh, didn't get, you skipped over, whatever you want to call it, those ha- those will probably come to greet you again before you leave. Oh, okay. Your choice if you don't want to come back. There's plenty of other places to go. Okay. And that and that was it. That was that was the end of it. That's as simple as I can make it. Not really hard, because I was given a chance to leave. This near-death experience, they said, you can't stay. You have to go back. And I didn't want to go back. Mostly because the body was just, you know, it wasn't that great. Um, And people have said that, you know, they don't want to go back to the body that's on the ground, bleeding, and and, um, in a a comatose state. Why would they want to go back to that, right? Right. Right. And so... um, I was given another opportunity later in life when I was around 40 that if I wanted to, I could be. My, my mission had been accomplished, contract complete. If you want to leave, you can. And I said, no, I can't. And you have the choice to do that. I said, my son isn't ready yet. He isn't ready. I have to, I have to see him get to this level. He was in high school, I think, at the time, and I needed, I needed him to finish college. Then, then I could be. And they said, your choice. Okay. So I stayed. 
And then I thought about it and said, well, I thought about, okay, well, since I'm here anyway, you know, they probably said, well, you know, you're not doing anything. So why don't you write the book since you're going to stay anyway? Right. Do you ever try and tap into other altered states, like whether it be meditation or, you know, some people use visionary plant medicine, some people just, uh, you know, they have different methods of achieving this, you know, even working out. Some people, you know, get into a meditative state working out. Is there anything that That's you try, me, and, baby? Is there anything that you try and <laughs> tap into that? Uh, okay, let, let me explain something to you. Um, for me, it's a little bit different. Okay. And I'll give you a concrete example. Okay. My, my son had um, recently changed jobs. Okay. So he had a new job. I was going to visit him to take care of the kids. He was off to France on something with his wife. Okay. They're going to take a work vacation kind of a thing. Okay. So um, he said, uh, mom, let me show you my new office. Great. Yeah. I would love to see your new office. We go to the new office, step off the elevator. He opens the door and I just stood there staring at the office. He said, what's wrong? It's not real. What? It's not real. This is not real. And it felt like an overlay, a translucent overlay was over the office. Gotcha. I, I touched it. It was there. It had physicality and it wasn't real. It absolutely wasn't real. I touched the plants. I went into the, the, the workroom. I went into the little tiny cafeteria, little office where they had lunch and da, 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 da. I went into the boss's office. I said, it's not real. He said, but, but, but mom, this is my, I said, I don't care what it is. It's not real. And so he was as perplexed as his wife, right? Yeah. And I thought to myself, why do I keep saying it's not real? What's wrong? Um, I guess it was about uh, two weeks later. I went home and he informed me the company had been sold. The office was closed. Wow. And it was over. It was like a boiler room type scenario. Like it really wasn't. And I real. just went, and, 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 you know, I just was stunned. <laughs> there was nothing else I could tell you. I was just stunned. And uh, so I, I said to him, Be careful with your boss. What? Be careful. Trust me on this one. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. And I must have said that five times. And then I said, I don't have anything more to say. It's done. And so that's, that's basically what happened. And, and see, that's, for me, I guess uh, you would call it meditation. I call it musing. And that's where I let my mind float. I don't think about anything in particular. I could just stare at a tree or a plant or whatever, and then my mind just feels like it's floating on here. And that's how it comes. Yeah, that's I think we, I all, we all have those capabilities, I believe, in, in different forms. Um, mm -hmm. For me, because I have uh, OCD, um, I can recognize patterns a lot oh, easier okay. than people can. So like, I can pick up, you know, like I'll be watching a movie with my wife or... I can say, oh, this is going to happen because of this or whatever. And she'll be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And then it'll end up happening. Um, I'm just good at like putting the pieces together, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah that's but, how you do it. 
So that would yeah. be my thing. And I know everybody's got a different, you know, yeah. thing. So I know some people can take a nap and have a dream and then certain mm -hmm. things in the dream come true, you know, certain different yeah. things like that. So um, it's interesting. I think, you know, we could different all be levels super, of tapping into it, you know. Yeah, we could all be superhuman in some way and yeah. tapping into we're the all universe. Given, we're all you given know. the gifts, you know, sure. how, whether we whether we do them or not, or whether we uh, use them or not, or whether we ignore them or not, that's up to us. But I believe that we're given the gifts. I, I, and I think it could really, in many ways, improve the world if we really work together to do that. I, I just, that's my feeling. Um, so uh, I've always believed that, always. Have you ever done anything to try and hone in your skills, like practice them in a certain way? or? Um, probably, uh, I, I can tell you one thing. When I, when I tell you that I muse, I have to muse um, a certain amount of time every day. If I don't, I feel like I'm going crazy. Huh. Uh, it, it's, it, and it ha I believe it has to do with um, uh, balance within the body and with the mind, body, and spirit balance. If, if I don't have that news time, I can't, I can't function. Are you a creative person? Like, do you, do you do anything? Obviously you wrote the book. That's the book? Okay. Um, yeah, I can look at something and I can see it and then I go create it. Gotcha. That, I, I can do that. And I've done that with many different things. Um, and I actually visualize it. Like if I'm, a, um, if I'm going to move a plant or a tree or something like that, I actually see the tree where it's going to be. And then I, and then I go do it or I get somebody to do it Right. because I can see it already. It's already there for me. Sure. I just then I just move the, the physical part of the, the plant there. So yeah, in that way, and my mind, I remember I took, um, when I was in uh, college, I took uh, exams. You know, they have those psychology exams that they, they try on students. And I, and I took some of those exams. And some of them was as simple as, um, okay, you're giving liters of water and you've got to come up with this number. And so, uh, and, and, the, and they weren't specifically that number. Like say, for example, you had to come up with two liters and you had a, a, a five liter and a, and a one liter. So somehow you're going to have to come up with two. All right. So I would take these kinds of tests and they would always tell me, you know, you don't seem to do what most of the other people do. Yours, you kind of go the long way around. You get there, but it's not the same as the other people. Really? No. Oh, okay. So, um, so my mind in certain ways, I guess, doesn't work the same way as other people would, you know, they would, probably take a more direct route, more efficient, blah, blah, blah. And I might not take that route. I might take a, a longer route and go a different way. That's what I would say. Um, so looking through, you know, your, your, your book. Um, yeah. I, I think the most important thing though, like I said, from the beginning was that you were able to remember this experience at such a young age. Um, do you think more people have these experiences and just don't remember them? Or do you think if you were to have this experience, there'd be no way to forget it? Um, according to the latest statistics, uh, 23 million people in the United States alone 
have had near-death experiences, and I don't think they they the children were involved. Right, like, right. You know, um, and so uh, that's a lot of people. That is, and and um, from the research, I've also found out that this kind of thing runs in families. I was told that by a researcher. It's not just like uh, one person has it. No, no, more family members have it. They just don't talk about it because gotcha. they don't want to be ridiculed, right? So or, do you think this is like, um, do you think it's a genetic thing? Like certain bloodlines are more... Um, are so more susceptible yeah. to this kind of thing. Because my aunt, I, 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 I had, um, she's the last of the, of the relatives, you know, of my mother's sister's. And brother, um, she's the last one. And we had been talking, I guess, at least two years on the phone before she admitted to me she had a near-death experience. Wow. And she knew about the book I was going to write. She didn't ever say anything about it. And, and one day we were talking, and, and uh, I happened to ask her, I said, you know, I'm going to write this book. She said, oh, Cindy, don't write that. Why? Well, she said, you know, people will think you're strange. Well, they already think I'm strange. Yeah. <laughs> the book will just confirm it for them. <laughs> say, who cares? <laughs> now, now they know for sure. Okay, so anyway, and I happened to ask her, Auntie, did you ever have a near-death experience? And she was very quiet. I said, Auntie, you did. Huh. And she said, well, you know, I want to hear about it. I want you to tell me. And it was a drowning experience, and it was an adult. Wow. She got to the light. The light was coming through the water. Um, by the time they got to her, because she was away from, from the pier or from the dock, and, and she said uh, everything stopped when she felt a hand grab the back of her, her hair or neck or bathing suit or something. It was from the back. And somebody pulled her out of the water because she had already gone down for the third time. Wow. And I never, I never knew that about her. Nobody ever talked about it, certainly. No talking about it. <laughs> right, right. Right, right. And so, yeah. And a couple other cousins have said, yeah. Well, there was one of the cousins that, that actually um, uh, went through the tunnel more than once. You know? Uh, and another cousin who, who, who would speak to her, um, I guess it was her grandmother, who had passed away, and, and she would talk to her. And it was interesting because um, when her mother died, she cried and cried and cried. She was very upset. She was very close to her mother. And her mother, she said she had a dream, and in the dream, her mother said, you have to stop crying because I can't move forward if you keep crying because you keep pulling me back with your sadness. So You've you got to stop crying. You know, I'm okay. You can visit anytime you want. I'll be here. <laughs> but please stop crying. So that was kind of interesting to hear. I didn't know that. You know, I, I, I hadn't, I personally have not had that experience. But she did. And that was a, uh, that was a cousin. So, so there were some things that were, were, went on when I was writing this book and I had contact with family that they, they told me that they experienced. And they said, you know, We've never told anybody. Oh, really? No. You don't think we're crazy. Oh, okay. I said, I'm not even going to ask you what they think of me because I don't really want to know. 
I don't want to know. And I mean, so, yeah. Do you think though that like, okay, so, I mean, are you familiar with uh, Rudolf Steiner or any of his work or, mm-hmm. okay. So do you think that it has to do with maybe being an initiate or becoming an initiate into the mysteries? Like, um, you know, obviously there are some people that will look at this like it's crazy. Most scientists, I think 70% of scientists are atheist mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. don't believe in anything metaphysical. But then there's a small sect of, you know, I, I would even say that um, you're getting more and more um, intelligent people, you know, like some of the smartest people in in the world think that we're living in a simulation so there is certain Mm -hmm. groups of people that are starting to come around with this idea that maybe what we're experiencing on a day-to-day reality isn't all there is to it you know so i think people are starting to come around a little bit with psychedelics Mm -hmm. with this kind of stuff meditation consciousness talk youtube's got tons of videos on these topics um but i do you think that it has to do with you know what steiner would call an initiate and you know somebody that's becoming aware or awakened, if you will, to these, these other elements. I think so. I, I believe the, you know, from what I've discerned from uh, watching some of the, the videos and, and talking to people, um, I think there's an awareness that is happening that, that was not happening at the time I had this near-death experience, that they were not awake. That's not where we were. Uh, on, on the time, if we were to look at it as a timeline, we weren't there. Not right. like we are now. Now more people are involved with it, and there seems to be some kind of interest in it. And, um, you know, uh, maybe some of the scientists will never believe it. But there is a group that does, that says, you know, there may be something to this. And um, it's especially true in terms of children who had near-death experiences. Uh, because um, they... When they report them, they just report them as, as fact. You know, like you're reporting about maybe an interview that you had. Right. So it's it's not it's not even mystical for them because yeah, they don't child, have countless years of, of, of all the stuff you know weighing. Yeah, on. no, <laughs> we don't have that. You know, and and that was and um, PMH uh, Atwater, uh, who has done extensive study on children's near death experiences, she says that. That becomes a, the child's world. It, it's uh, it's as real to them as as you and I are talking on right here and right now in this interview. It's the same thing for them, mm-hmm. and and I have to believe that's true. So you accept it as fact, whether anybody else does, okay. But that's what was your experience, and so and there have been many people who have uh, said that as adults, but it's it's a near death experience from. Zero years to five years is very different than an NDE. Like, say, if you were to have one right, uh, tomorrow night or, or today or whatever, it's very, very different than for a child um, because you only see it through the eyes of a child. Right. That, that, that you're going through this, and then that, that's it. And, and even if the adults tell you, well, you know, it's just a dream, it's nothing to... Um, believe um it, it just it was just something it was just a dream so so you can just go on with your life and, for, and forget it and so yeah and and it was interesting to me when my mother was alive she's uh, not anymore but when she was alive at around 40 years old we were having lunch and i said to her what did you think when i reported 
reported that I had this NDE that, that I, what I saw. And she says, I've always known that you were different than your brothers. You just didn't act like they did. She said, like, you had a different song or a different drummer. You just didn't act like uh, the other kids. I, I tried to get you really involved in playing and, 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 and doing the, and she said, you weren't interested. You just were not interested. And I said, really? She says, I tried, but I just couldn't. She said, you just would, would not um, participate in the way other children do. And the one thing I will remember her saying to me, which was kind of different coming from a parent, she said, you know, Cindy, she said, you don't look at people, you look into them. It's like you're looking into the very being or their soul. She said, it's scary. I said, really? She said, it scared me all my life when I was growing up with you or when, you know, you were with me when you were younger. I said, I never knew that. She said, it's true. Very interesting conversation uh, as an adult. And I never knew that. And I think I said to her at that time, um, you know, other people who are friends with me, um, I said, have said the same. She said, really? Yeah. It's not my intent to harm or to hurt or anything like that. I just said, I just find myself doing it because it provides me with information. That's all. I understand how to move. I said, because it, it, for me, coming into, onto this planet, coming from there to here, it's like you don't get the handbook. Nobody explains it. You're somehow going to have to navigate it and, and make something of yourself or to help some people or something. But you have no clue as to what is really, really going on. You don't. You don't have any clue. Because it, it there is not the same as here. Right. So it's different. Do you, you get, any, go, oh, go ahead. ahead Sorry. No, go ahead. When you get these readings on people, do you have to be in person with them or can you can you be on the phone? Are you getting any readings on me and Michael right now? I haven't looked for that. I learned as an adult to, to not not to shut it down. Okay? Unless ah. uh, unless uh, see before when I was a child, it would just bombard me. I mean, it was just like overwhelming. So in order to navigate, I learned to, you know, like bring it down so that I didn't, um, so I didn't see as much in terms of colors. But what happened was that I'll get a feeling about something. And it's a very strong feeling. And I'll know and I'll go, oh, okay. Um, usually it's when somebody isn't exactly truthful. They kind of dance around the truth or come close to it, but it's not really actually what's happening. And I've had that, right? And it's so like, oh, okay, got it. And, and so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't upset me like it did before because I didn't have an understanding of it when I was younger. I, I didn't. So navigating this place it can be very difficult because, like I said, you don't get the handbook. Okay, this is the way things work, okay? No, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. This is the way they work. And, and you get, you know, a, a list or something on how to navigate. I, uh, but for me, it, it, didn't, it was hard because it, life here didn't have that. The other place, it was very simple, right, um, and very straightforward. 
but here is diff it's different because there's overlays, there's agendas, there you know all the things we have to do or we think we have to do in order to survive or 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 make it in the world, whatever you want to call. It. So yeah. So when you are you able to look back and you know think about or kind of relive the feeling of what the other side felt like yes. compared to this side? And if yes. so, um, does it feel like a different um, dimension? So like if you're outside your body, mm -hmm. obviously you're able to see things that are going on here, but mm -hmm. do you think you're in a higher realm in the sense that nobody could see that your person elevating outside of your body kind of a thing? Okay. This is what my friends have said to me. Um, I can remember one time, I think I might've mentioned it in the book. Um, a friend is coming to visit me. Um, and I was living in uh, Den uh, Seattle, Washington at the time. And uh, she was living in Denver. And so she was going to take a route she had never been on. And um, she said to me, uh, I'm going to come see you. And, and when she said that, I saw her in a car with a red and white blouse on, right? And I said, oh, yeah, I can see you. You're wearing that red and white blouse. She said, how did you know about the blouse? I, have, I just bought it. I don't know. It's just a red and white blouse. That's all I know. And she said, oh, okay. And I said, uh, be careful of your tires. What? Be careful of your tires. Make sure every time you stop at a gas station, you, ship, you check the tires. Be sure you check the tires. And she said, okay. <laughs> well, she never told me until, we were, until I wrote, was writing the book and I was um, talking about the instance of when she went from um, Denver to Seattle. She's, and she said to me, you know, I, I wouldn't wear that blouse. I packed it, but I didn't wear it. I didn't want to wear that blouse. You saw it. I wasn't wearing it. And she said, and I checked the tires every time. And she said, do you remember what happened when I got to Seattle? I said, no. She said, we went and had breakfast. And as the place that we had breakfast was in like a strip mall. Right next to the strip mall was a gas station. When she rolled into uh, the uh, mall to have, we were all going to have breakfast, her tire went flat. Uh -huh. I said, Donna, that would not have been good on the road to Seattle. Because it was it was during the 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 summer, and uh, it was hot, so she took the night. She drove at night. Well, Wyoming and all those places in there is is not a good idea to be breaking down because a lot of it is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, desert. Yeah, nothing. And that's and I didn't even know she was uh, driving at night until she uh, until she got to Seattle. She said, oh, yeah, I mostly drove at night. And I went, oh, really? And she said, yeah. It was just her and her eight-year-old son. She didn't have, you know, anybody else with her. Her son can't drive. And she couldn't send him on an expedition to go find somebody in the middle of a tumbleweed land. And so, right. yeah, it's like that. And she told me, she said, I've never said this to you. She said, when you, uh, she said, when you told me about my accident, which was different than the tires. When you told me about my accident, she said, I would look into your eyes. And she said, and it's like you were like far away, like you were looking at something very far away. And she said, that's when I know you see things. And I said, really? And she says, yeah, that's how I tell. 
So you think that uh, this near-death experience gave you some sort of precognition Mm -hmm. or something along those lines? Yeah, something. Because, um, you know, you, and and it can come at any time. And I'm just beginning to think about, as as, uh, Maurice had talked about, honing the skill so that it is, um, uh, so that I have a better control of it. You know, in ter- because it just comes. There, there, I could be standing in. I could be standing in the store. I could be in the middle of a park. It doesn't matter. If it's going to come, it'll come, and I'll know. Oh, okay. um, so it it will usually tell me before something is going to happen that it's or I'm in the middle of it happening, and I'm looking at it. You know, I'm watching it. So. Yeah, I believe that uh, I came away with that. But again, I can't tell you absolutely 100% because remember, I was three. Right. So I don't know what happened before three. You know, I don't know if I saw that. I don't think so, but I don't know that for sure. You know, it's, you know, at, at two and a half or two, there's not much happening in your life. A lot of baby bottles, um, you know. Right. Yeah, baby food and diapers, you know, so there isn't a lot right. happening at that age. So, Well, people I, that uh, go against that kind of stuff and those ideas will be like, well, why don't you use it to win the lottery? Or so, And I always think the same thing, like, obviously, that's not the purpose. If you have this great yeah. gift or this higher self-connection or something like that the last thing you would do is use it for, like, monetary gain or some, see, some, I, something yeah. material, you know? Yeah, because for me, yeah, I I don't know if that would make me any happier. It wouldn't, but that's the point, you know. Yeah, I'm not, you know, if it would make me happier, I might consider it, but I I don't see it making me all that happy. I I, I don't. And so, um, and I, I, I don't think I really have all that much of an interest in that kind of thing. You know, I don't play the ponies. And so, yeah. I've never, I've never really considered it u- useful in that way. I think it's very useful to help people. I think it's very useful to um, let them know to avoid things that that they don't need to go through. But yeah, I, I just never, I thought of it in terms of the lottery or something like that. It, it just never had held an interest to me. Well, it's like. Um... The other thing is, is there's a fine line. So like most people I meet that are genuine, like yourself or somebody that has had some other weird experience or something like that. Um, usually they're not concerned about, you know, they're, everybody's obviously able to do their own thing, but they're mm-hmm. not concerned about their job status or where they're at in terms of monetary value because they understand there's this higher thing mm-hmm. or higher purpose happening. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, you look at some other, like I said, there'll be people that'll poo-poo it and say, oh, blah, 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 blah. But mm-hmm. in reality, those people are so ingrained with day-to-day life and the grind and, and the, yeah. the materialistic side of things that they're not, even even if this is all there is, like to me, like let's say this is all an accident, the dumb right. earth theory, we're all here by accident, there's no purpose, there's no, there's nothing. I would still want to live with the hope that there's something more than to yeah. just go and live some sort of, you know, 
satiated life you know i think that's the difference between these these people these genuine people that we're talking about and then let's say somebody like i don't know if you've seen the documentary wild wild country but like an osho or some sort of spiritual leader that gets Mm -hmm. corrupted with money and power and um i think that that's easy to fall into when you do have some some of those you know tendencies so um but that's just my opinion on that well and that's part of the seduction i talk about right place is highly seductive <laughs> right 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. i got that picture right away <laughs> it's like whoa <laughs> well i know some people even think that this is like a prison planet or a i've heard that uh we're living in hell blah, blah 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 but i mean i don't know i think that uh you know and then it comes into then you get all the people that believe that you know for sure that there's aliens and that they're watching us and that this, we are confined to this planet. And I don't, you know, personally through my own experiences, I do think that there's metaphysical energies. I think that it's all the same thing is my, it's all, if you believe in aliens or whatever, you were watching ancient aliens and you have some dream or mystical experience, you're going to experience that because that's the context that you know it as. Or if you're a religious person, Jesus might come to you. Or, you know, if you're in the, if you're in the woods, you're going to see Bigfoot, whatever it is, you know? Uh, yeah. Angel, you know, could be anything, but I just think that there's this metaphysical energy that manifests itself in a way that's conducive to, or way we're perceptive towards it, you know? And I think that more and more um, people are more open to that kind of thing, to that perception that there's something beyond just the five senses that we're going through. You know, I I, I believe that. At least that's what uh, is showing across the net as I look at a a wide range of things that are occurring. So, yeah. The ancient Egyptians used to believe that we had 360 senses as a, like a 360 degree bubble mm-hmm. around us and i know that modern people say oh it was we've condensed it down to five or whatever but um i believe we've lost you know even if you yes. look at like the way they ran their culture and understanding of the mm-hmm. afterlife and the way they built megalithic structures they've obviously knew something that i'm not saying we couldn't do any of those things today but it would take a whole different kind of an effort well, than, yeah it would you know, because we're at a, at a different point again on the timeline right. where some of the things have been forgotten or lost or whatever um, because we were busy doing other things. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had a, when I visited uh, Egypt, I remember um, some of the things that I saw. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see all, everything I wanted to. Um, but yeah, there were some things I saw, there were some tombs I went into and I thought, yeah, this is real. (laughs) (laughs) Really Did you get to, did you go to the great pyramid and the Sphinx and everything? Yes, I did. Did you get any weird, people say that there's like a weird electricity in the air there. Did you get some sort of weird vibe when you were there? Yeah, I did. I, I remember, I remember touching it. And I could feel it. It was like uh, going through, uh, like electricity going through my body. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I can. Re- I remember that. And uh, and and I thought to myself, yeah, these people knew a lot that never crossed over into uh, people who lived after them. They never, it never got to them. It, it stayed. You know, a lot of the stuff, and I still believe a lot of the stuff is. Um, 
not exposed to the public. Let me put it that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. no. Um, do you feel like a kinship to some ancients? Like I know for me, I, I feel like some sort of kinship to ancient Egypt. I don't know what it is, but it's just I've always felt this. Yeah, I've always been in awe of their their culture. I know some people it's ancient Greek, some it's ancient Rome. You know, like no, a... I would say it would have been uh, Egypt if, okay. I, if I had if I had to choose one, definitely. Um, and I can remember uh, uh, learning about um, the Sumerians. And the Babylonians, because when I was in school, you had a choice. You could either study ancient civilizations or you could just study uh, economics and politics. Yeah, I didn't, that didn't interest me. Skip yeah, that's, that. That's that's <laughs> even even, that even to this day, either. yeah, even to this day, that's some stupid, <laughs> stupid stuff. So. <laughs> so I said, forget that. I want to know about the old stuff. I want to know yeah. what they were doing. You know, that sounds right. cool. So that's what I did. And so, um, yeah. I, I can remember thinking to myself, you know, the teacher was saying this and this and this. And I go, that's not the way it was at all. <laughs> they probably, oh, I'm not going to do that. Last time I did that, they went nuts. No, I'm not going to do that. And so, yeah, but I knew. I, some of the stuff, that wasn't the way it was. Um, and so, and I've had some dreams, not near-death experiences, totally different. It was some dreams about uh, ancient uh Ancient Egypt, I can remember, David, and I did it for like 10 years. And, uh, and then I would go back and, um, and I would do some research on it. I go, oh, God, that, that, that was true. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. And right. so, yeah, yeah, I, I can remember. Are you familiar with the story of Dorothy Eadie? She was in my, she was in the group. That was the first group I belonged to called IONS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Okay. And, and I remember when her book came out, she knows uh, Melvin Morris, who was a, uh, a doctor at the time, a pediatrician for children. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I know, I know Betty so, because she was just yeah. finishing her book. So her backstory is she was, um, she was born... Um, I think in England, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and her parents at an early age took her to an Egyptian exhibit or museum, Mm -hmm. and uh, she fell at the feet of one of the pharaohs and started speaking all this weird stuff and had, so like the the premise is that she felt like she was in in a past life, so she felt she knew and she was reincarnated and told her mom and her dad all this stuff about the king and the old kingdom and you know the mm-hmm. multi god you know uh mm-hmm. platform and or uh, polytheism and everything mm-hmm. um and then when she got older she got into ancient egyptian uh like egyptology and it took into antiquities sorry i can pronounce that and uh from there she she actually helped a lot of the um Egyptologists and archaeologists find certain things in, in the desert and different tombs and different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had this weird ability. Um, it's like one of the only credible near death or not near death uh, reincarnation story. There's other ones. There's like a kid mm-hmm. that was reborn that was like a pilot in World War II and different ones like that. But this was the one the most credible one since she was able to use this ability to find things that they had no idea were there. So um, it's that's a fascinating one to me that she felt like she was born in 
dynastic Egypt and uh, died and then came back as this woman in, in modern day Britain and then helped them find, you know, all this amazing stuff. And that's, um, and that's her gift. That's what she got because she was able to pull from, from the past and bring it forward into the, into the now. Usually the curtain goes down and you're not allowed that. Right. But for her, it must have made a big enough impression that she could, she could then bring it forward into this, into her, the life she was living now, yeah. you know, whatever that is. Um, and that's, that's highly unusual for a person to be able to do that. And I remember meeting Debbie. I remember meeting her at those meetings um, because that was the first group that I belonged to. And I didn't belong to a group after that. I left the country to teach. And then in other countries, they didn't have ions like they do in the United States. Gotcha. Yeah. So you've, you've been actively, you've participated in, mm -hmm. you know, near death groups or different, uh, yeah. different stuff. Um, besides yours, is there one specific one that really stuck out that you felt like, wow, this is a holy grail of, of near death experiences besides your own? Um, let's see. Yes, Anita, Anita Morjani stands out to me uh, because she was, um, she was already going down for the count. Okay. And, and, it, and, it, and they just said, okay, you know, everybody, whatever you want to say to her, blah, 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 um, better hurry. Because she hasn't got a whole long time. It's going to be hours now. And um, was she older? Or was she in an accident? Or no, uh, she had some kind of disease. Okay. Uh, and uh, it it was taking her down. And um, what she found out for her was that making everybody else happy was more important than her own happiness. And and that's what was eating at her. Uh, and physically, because um, from what I could tell when I did see Orza, the um, physical, let's see, disease, okay, doesn't start in the physical at all. It starts in the colors, and it moves in. The physical is the last place the disease will reside gotcha. at the physical level. And so um, apparently she had had it for a while, and now um, she was she was going down for the count. It was interesting that the medical profession – um, was unable to help her. But when she went um, back to, I think it was India, and she found her teacher, uh, her meditation teacher, she found a, uh, a meditation teacher. A meditation teacher told her, I think, uh, she said, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have cancer, and they said that I'm going to die. Oh, he said, nonsense, that's not true. And so... Um, she began a regimen to change her diet, and she did meditation and yoga, and and she was doing fine. Then she came back, and and the people around her, her friends and family, said, "Well, you're going to go back to the doctor, right? Huh. You, you're you're going to go and, and get get well, right? You're going to go see him, and he's going to run tests, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that." And she did, and oh my God, the woman was was within a, a couple of months, she was on her deathbed. Wow, no kidding. And so, um, you know, when, when she crossed 
that's when she had the discussion about, okay, you know, you're going to have to change your mindset here because it's not working. And uh, she knew that if she came back, she would live. She knew that for sure. No question. Uh, and, and they cannot... They cannot explain it. The doctor told her, he made a gesture, which was interesting when I was reading hers, uh, when I was listening to the YouTube uh, portion. He looked at her file and he says, you know, Anita, I don't know what to do with you. And he threw her, 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 her medical file in the trash can. He said, I can't explain what happened to you. I know you're alive. I know you're going to be fine. She said, I've run every test possible. He said, I can't explain anything. I don't know what to do with you. Wow. And um, the same happened with Pam Reynolds. Um, she had to have uh, surgery. They had to uh, shave her head. They had to um, uh, saw into her skull and remove some kind of aneurysm on her brain. They had every, every tube possible in her body. And she was watching the whole thing with her father. She met her father and she crossed. Wow. And, uh, she, and, you know, they, they, she could tell, when she came back, she could tell what they were saying. She even could tell where the, uh, when it, one of the doctors had put something someplace and she knew it. There was no way she could know any of this. The doctors couldn't explain it. Um, and, the, and then finally her dad said, you have to go back now. You, you can't stay. And she said, you don't expect me to get in there, do you? Have you taken a look at what, what's on that table? Uh -huh. He said, yes, that's you. No, she said, that's not me. This is me. That, I don't know what that is. She said, I don't want to go back. He said, well, think of it as diving into a, a cold pool of water. <laughs> and she right. said exactly what it was. Um, it's and, like a leap, uh, leap of faith. Yeah, it really was a leap of faith for her. So that's, that's what she did. And, uh, you know, and she told the doctors about what had happened. They just kind of stared at her. Um, they had literally drained of her, uh, all of her fluids because if they tried to, uh, work on the aneurysm while the fluids were in her body, uh, she would, they would have burst and that would have been the end of it. Wow. That's what the problem is. So yeah, they can they couldn't explain it. The doctors really tried. They, they danced around. Well, you know, you know, maybe, maybe she has some auditory thing or you know, it wasn't any of that. The woman was clinically dead. Sure. That's what it was. So all of these things, when I think about it, there's still so much we don't know um, because we're, we're very rooted in the physical. You know, the body. All of it. <laughs> Have you ever watched a video um, or like read a trip report of somebody that's on a DMT experience? Because there is a couple similarities, but there's also a lot of differences too. One of the similarities is this tunnel, except when people do DMT or whatever, they get shot like in hyperspace oh. through this tunnel. It's not uh -huh. some sort of, you know, it's this, you're thrust into this like other realm um, mm -hmm. and you'll, they'll see these entities that'll laugh at them right. and say, you're not supposed to be here or it's, you know, this is not your place. And then some of them will embrace them and are love entities. It's just a bunch of different stuff. Um, but when you experienced leaving your body, was it like the, the, you know, you said you didn't experience the tunnel, but did you, was it this like, Oh, hyper, I did. I did oh, oh I, I, but I, I meant like a, like a hyperspace, like oh, where you're like shot oh, out of a cannon oh. kind of a thing. All right. Let me explain how that worked. Okay. So as I go into the tunnel, first I had to check it out, make sure it wasn't weird. 
Right. Okay, so I go into the tunnel, and there were little mirrors, um, uh, like like hanging in the air as this tunnel, as the black hole was okay. going clockwise. Okay, so I started out real slow, and I'm looking around, I'm going, "Wow, this is different." And so uh, at some point, it began to speed up. The colors pulled out of the mirror, and I was riding. I think I mentioned this: a river of light. Okay, and all the colors put together, it was white light. And I was like straddling this river. And it, it, if I had to say, even to this day, how fast this thing was going, 5,000 miles minimum, 5,000 miles an hour. Wow. That's how fast it felt to me. And then there was a screeching halt at the end. And I was in, in this kind of misty, cloudy kind of uh, realm that I'd never been in. But it didn't start out fast. It started out slow. Gotcha. And so, like but the Willy Wonka boat ride type thing, except <laughs> yes. except positive. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fast. Yeah. And I went, wow, I was, I, I, and I and I knew I was. Uh, mine was closer to a tunnel, closer to a tunnel than a uh, than a noodle. Okay. Right? There was no noodle. It was a tunnel. Um, and it was dark except for the the light that came out of the mirrors. Okay, the little, and they weren't very big. They're probably about as big as your thumb, as long as your thumb and about an inch high. That's all they were. And then each each mirror had a light that came out of it, a color. And then uh, as I uh, experienced going faster, the light became uh, uh, iridescent and brilliant until it was a, a river of light. Now, do you think it's possible, like I was thinking about this too, that maybe our consciousness or our soul or whatever you want to call it is light in that when we die our that returns back to the source of the light that's i think so that's what i think yeah i mean i saw the spiral of energy and it was more light than anything right and then and then when i was in the tunnel there was more light okay and so and and when i saw the entities they were full of light they they were they had physicality to them, but they were, they were of light, these entities. It's interesting. And, and uh, there were no alien spaceships. There were no odd-looking <laughs> people. There was none of that. You know, I, I examined it carefully. Because I, uh, you know, when I went to the Louvre, okay, they had pictures of, 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 of the Virgin Mother, and they had all of these things. And you see a little tiny spaceship in the corner. What's right, that? yeah. You know? No, there was none of that. And so... Um, just the entities who were quite tall. Um, and there were like one, two, three, probably about five entities. Um, and it was interesting, you know, um, one of the things I remember specifically, and, and it made me think about, you know, when you think about something like uh, a child comes in and, and they're a blank slate. And right. They have these experiences and they go through life. Um, and they collect these experiences or memories. And I thought to myself, when, the, when I was with uh, his mother, uh, at, some, uh, at some point, she asked me about three or four times, uh, do you want to go back to your body? No. No. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm not going back. Huh. Okay. So then we'd continue a little further along, and he'd ask again. By about the third time, I said to her, my body will not sustain if I don't go back. She said, no, it will not. 
Now, for a three-year-old to say that, and I re- those were almost exactly what the words I said. Three-year-olds don't talk like that. Right. I, I know something about child development, and they don't talk like that. And yet I told her that. I remember so specifically. And so, you know, I wonder about when we come in, how much uh, memory, how much information, uh, past lives, whatever, like, like Betty Evie did. I yeah. wonder about that. So do you, do you think, though, okay, so there's different, um, um, there's different esoteric works and different things that talk about um, how we don't really become um, who we are to like five years old. That's when we receive this like divine spark or consciousness or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's when we become aware of who we are, what we are, et cetera. Do you think that that's the case? Because I, I think back and I, I think about four and a half, five is when I kind of started to really put things together that I can look back and remember. I think some of us do, and I think some of us um, do it before then. Okay. They, they, they're not even born yet. There was a couple of stories, uh, interviews that uh, PMH Atwater did, and uh, there was a little girl specifically um, who was uh, born... Uh, and her father was um, alcoholic and and had harmed her mother, okay, while she was still carrying this little, her daughter, okay? And when the daughter could talk, there was one, there was one time he got drunk, and she, and she told him, she says, I remember you. I remember you when I was inside mommy. Wow. And you were screaming and yelling, and you threw her against the table. And the guy just got pale because he did that. And they were very afraid they were going to lose the daughter. And so, um, and she wasn't saying this calmly. She was screaming at him. Right. Um, And and he just like, you know, kind of cringed and kind of quietly made (laughs) an exit because he he knew what he did. So um, at that point, she knew and I can remember uh, when I was carrying my son. I remember two things. We were making tortillas one day, and he he said to me, "You're you're the bestest mom." I said, "Honey, I'm I'm your only mom." No, I I, I have other moms. You do? Oh, yeah. And he commenced to tell me about another mom. Yeah, I think I remember that from your. That was in your book. Yeah, yeah. and 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 I I was totally taken by surprise because I I didn't talk to him about this at all. So it was very interesting for him to come up with that. He she was taller than I was. Uh, she had a long black braid, um, and uh, yeah, he had he had had another mother that he and he remembered her. It wasn't me. I never had a long black braid. Yeah, and and he said. Her skin color was different than mine. It was whiter, not browner. But um, and the other thing, uh, let's see, that he he told he told me something else about uh, a former uh, a former I guess life or experience that he had. And by the time he was eight, it was gone. Wow. I asked him about it. Do you remember that? No, there's no memory. That's interesting, actually, because there's a, like I said, there's a famous um, reincarnation story of about a little boy that was 
he was this pilot that went down in World War II um, in Japan or, you know, one of those air battles or something. He was in a plane and he went down and he was able to remember the exact plane number, the guy's name that was in the plane, that that was his life before, you know. So he was able to give every single detail to the point where the dad of the boy contacted the family of this deceased man. And they're like, how would this kid know all this different detail mm-hmm. and stuff um and that was i think he remembered it up to the point when he was like five or six because he was having mm-hmm. nightmares and different things mm-hmm. and then it all stopped once he became yeah. of age and that's so, and, and that's what happens that so maybe that's that, that that is a past life or maybe one of our previous you know mm-hmm. experiences that are you know because i the i could see this i've thought about this too if maybe if that boy was related to that man that went down in japan that there could be some sort of genetic encoding of the experience in the person or something along those lines but these are two different people that had no yeah, connection had to no one another idea. same thing with dorothy Edie with the egyptian stuff so um yeah i mean it's it's weird to think about for sure but uh there's obviously something else going on there there's something Perfect. else going on i think because there's a bleed over right for some of us if there's a bleed over that, that somehow, some way, it, it, there's a memory, there's a flash, there's a, there's a something, and that connects us and, and to the something of the past. Um, I can remember um, when I was in my 20s, um, I, had a, I had a real fascination with herbs, okay? Uh, growing them, reading about them, studying them, learning their uh, names, all that kind of stuff. And my mother had no interest in any of that kind of thing. But I, I was fascinated by that. And it wasn't until I was oh, uh, probably in my late 30s that I found out that my gra- uh, grandmother was um, an herbalist. Oh. And, she, and she was an herbalist for the, for the um, not township, that's the wrong one, for the village. They went to her if you had, you know, whatever. And she was very good with it. Now, I never knew that. Um, nobody ever talked to me about it uh, because that was, you know, that was old fashioned. But you, if you were sick, you go to the doctor. That's, sure. what, that's what it was. And so, yeah, it was very different. Now she had a connection to me, but I, I had no, there were no papers, there were no books, which I'm really sad. Um, anything that would give me any indication of that's what she did. I, I just knew she lived in Mexico. That's all I knew. Yeah. Then no anything else. So what so, did she did she work with? That? I mean, was she using like plant medicine too, stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, she was. She was very much into plant medicine, and and she was the person you went to see if you were ill, and she knew what to do. So like a shaman yeah. of sorts. Yeah, like a shaman. Yeah, that's pretty. And strange. and it wasn't until I talked with again Dr. Morris, and he said, "Oh, Cindy, that's very typical, very very typical of what of what can happen with children, even if they don't know anything about." The, re- the relatives, the ancestors, or anything like that. Right. He said, yeah. He said, very much like they have near-death experiences, members of the family, even if they don't talk about it, it's, it's still there. The experiences are still there, and, and somehow they, they somehow manifest uh, in, in the next, they can manifest in the next generation. Yeah, Mexico and uh, South America have a, a rich history of you know, shamanism, plant medicine, that kind of stuff. Right. Even if you look at like um, Maria Sabina in Mexico with her use of psilocybin to, okay. you know, 
give people ceremonies and different things like that. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's super fascinating. Um, is there anything else you, you want to talk about your book or, uh, well, I, as I said, it was, it was, a I didn't want it to be uh, difficult. I didn't want you to, the person, whoever the, the, the person who was going to read it, I wanted to give them enough information that they would question at least what, what we have in terms of the physical and give them a little bit of information about what science is saying about it for those that are um, willing to step out of the box and for them to, to think, just to think about a different reality, a different way of thinking. That's, that's basically what this book was, is about for me. That's the reason I did it. And I was asked to do it. I wasn't, like I said, I, I wasn't a champion at the bit to do a book. Right. That was the last thing on my agenda. <laughs> well, we're glad you did it. Yeah. <laughs> Maurice, did you have a chance to say to read it at all? No, I haven't, but I'm going to check it out because I'm super in, intrigued now. So you really, <laughs> really yeah, got my interest. It's a bargain. It's uh, You guys can find it on Amazon. We're going to put the link uh, in the yeah. description of the video. So it people... is a bargain. And I told the publisher I want this to be a bargain. I want it to go out because wow. it's important. Yeah, you can get it on Kindle. You know, it's got it's like I said, it's on Amazon. It's easy to get. Um, whether you're using your Kindle or your iPhone or whatever you're using, you can pull that thing up, and it's it is easy to read. And you do a good job of explaining the Perfect experience. Perfect for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Maurice might have a couple learning disabilities. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a great book. It was a pleasure having you on and listening to your story and uh, being able to ask you questions about your personal experience. And uh, you know, maybe we'll get you on here again and, and you know, dig a little deeper. But uh, appreciate you coming on, and and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll get you well, on I, again. I definitely enjoyed myself meeting both of you. Um, and I'm expanding and uh, helping people. I, well, I want to help people with uh, learning about how to take care of themselves. Because, you know, you said, do you do anything specifically or generally about, you know, honing your skills? And the first thing I would tell you is, yes, there are certain things you have to do at the physical level as well as the spiritual level to get everything in alignment. And, and so I'm thinking about that very seriously, um, especially in terms of water. Okay. And that's the last part of the book. Is yeah. The water. Right. And so I, I think that people need to learn more about it. And, and I, I think that if, the evolu if I can contribute anything to the evolution of mankind and the planet, I will do that. I will try to help because I think it's important for all it of us. Is. No, it is. And I think you writing this book and you being used, putting the vibes out there and, you know, whether we all want to believe it or not, everything we do, every action, every yeah. movement has a direct effect on everything else. That's right. So dominant. Um, yep. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you've, it's been, you know, a pleasure and, uh, everybody check out her book, Evolve, a near death experience. And, uh, again, it's on Amazon. We're going to put the link below. Um, and thank you, Cindy. Cheers. Thank you. Maurice, keep asking those questions, even if they're internally inside of you. Because I will, that's what I, will. I feel. That's what I feel. They're there. I can feel them all the way over here in Ecuador. Oh, wow. <laughs>
All right. Well, okay. have a good one. We uh we enjoyed it and we'll talk again, I'm sure. All right. Take care. Peace and love. Peace.